Chapter Thirteen of Three Years in the Federal Cavalry, Part One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Three Years in the Federal Cavalry by William Glazier. Chapter Thirteen, Part One. Retreat of the Rebels from Gettysburg, eighteen sixty-three. National Rejoicing the enemy retreating feebly pursued reconnaissances kilpatrick gives the enemy a fourth of july entertainment at monterey pass storm and terror immense train destroyed and hosts of prisoners taken pitiable conditions of stuart's cavalry battle of hagerstown captains penfield and dahlgren wounded wonderful exploits of a union scout kilpatrick and buford at williamsport cavalry fight at boonsboro stuart defeated hagerstown retaken orders to advance one day too late kilpatrick chases the flying foe fight at falling waters last act in the drama great bravery of union troops last vestige of the invaders wiped out bivouac and rest the victory at gettysburg though purchased at so dear a price when announced to the people produced a deep and widespread joy which contributed to make the fourth of july doubly memorable the gallant behavior of our men furnished a theme for general exultation and the removal of the threatened disaster foreshadowed in the pompous and successful invasion made every true american breathe more freely but the work of the soldier was not yet done the feet of the invaders were still upon free soil and though his ranks had been thinned by desertions and by unprecedented casualties in battle and he had been thwarted in all the important minuet of his plan he was still formidable and compelled to fight with desperation if attacked to prevent utter destruction some apprehension that the enemy was at least contemplating a speedy retreat was entertained during the night that followed the third bloody day general pleasanton chief of cavalry urged general meade to advance in force upon the beaten foe alleging that they were not only greatly weakened by their losses but undoubtedly demoralized in consequence of repulse and probable scarcity of ammunition to ascertain positively what could be of these probabilities pleasanton was directed to make a reconnaissance towards the rebel rear accordingly several detachments of cavalry were thrust out on different roads where they rode all night general gregg on our right went about twenty-two miles on the road to chambersburg and returning early on the morning of the fourth reported that the road was strewn with wounded and stragglers ambulances and caissons and general debris which indicated that the enemy was retreating as rapidly as possible and was passing through a terrible season of demoralization the testimony of the mute witnesses of disaster was corroborated by that of the many prisoners which easily fell into gregg's hands other expeditions returning later in the day had similar reports to render of what they had seen and heard and now came the time for energetic cavalry movements while our infantry was resting or engaged in burying our own and the rebel dead within our lines the cavalry was dispatched to do all the damage it could upon the retreating rebel columns kilpatrick on their trail kilpatrick having assembled his immortalized division on the plain at the foot of round top 
on the morning of the fourth discoursed to them eloquently for a few moments on the interests of the times he assured his men that their noble deeds were not passing by unnoticed nor would be unrequited and that they were already a part of a grand history he trusted that their future conduct would be a fair copy of the past but his pathetic and patriotic accents had scarcely died upon the ears of his brave command when the shrill bugle-blast brought eager men and grazing horses in line of march orders had been received by kilpatrick to repair as swiftly as possible to the passes of the catonkton mountains to intercept the enemy now known to be flying southward at a rapid rate the command had gone but a short distance when rain began to fall in torrents as is usually the case after great battles especially when much artillery is used but through mud in places to the horses bodies through brooks swollen enormously and through the falling floods the troopers pressed forward to the accomplishment of their task about five o'clock p m kilpatrick reached emmitsburg where he was joined by portions of general gregg's command including the harris light which had been kept mostly in reserve during the conflicts of the past few days thus reinforced this intrepid leader marched directly towards the monterey pass arriving at the foot of this rocky defile in the mountains in the midst of pitchy darkness as was anticipated a heavy rebel train was then trying to make its escape through the gorge guarded by stuart's cavalry with light artillery this artillery was planted in a position to rake the narrow road upon which kilpatrick was advancing but the darkness was so intense that the guns could be of little use except to make the night terribly hideous with their bellowings the echoes of which reverberated in the mountain gorges in a most frightful manner to add to the horrors of the scene and position the rain fell in floods accompanied with groaning thunders while lightnings flashed from cloud to cloud over our heads and cleft the darkness only to leave friend and foe enveloped in greater darkness in the intervals of light by these flashes however we gained a momentary glimpse of each other's position and as we dashed forward in the gloom we were further directed by the fire of the artillery and the desultory fire of the cavalry surgeon moore gave the following account of this affair quote, we do not hesitate in saying and have good reason to know that had any want of firmness on the part of the leader or any indecision or vacillation appeared and a mischance occurred this splendid command would then and there have been lost Quote, but with unflinching and steady purpose bold bearing and a mind equal to the emergency the general rode to the head of the column reassured his frightened people and notwithstanding the intense darkness that hid friend from foe he made such skilful dispositions and then attacked the hidden foe with such impetuosity that he fled in wild dismay leaving his guns a battle-flag and four hundred prisoners in the victor's hand the pass was gained and pennington's and elder's guns were soon echoing and re-echoing through the mountain defiles the artillery opened thus on the flying columns of the routed foe who with wagons ambulances caissons and the debris of a shattered army were rushing in chaotic confusion down the narrow mountain road and scattering through the fields and woods on the plains below all night long kilpatrick and his successful followers were gathering the spoils of their evening work wagon after wagon was overtaken captured and destroyed while hundreds of prisoners were easily captured 
this daring exploit placed kilpatrick in advance of the rebel army giving him a fine opportunity to obstruct their pathway of retreat and to destroy whatever could be of any use to them had he not been cumbered with so many prisoners it is not in the power of any one to estimate the damage he would have done in his official report he says on this day i captured eighteen hundred and sixty prisoners including many officers of rank and destroyed the rebel general wells immense wagon train nine miles long it should be stated that these wagons were mostly laden with the ripened and gathered crops of pennsylvania and maryland and with the plunder of private and public stores including dry goods and groceries of every variety and quality none who saw it will ever forget the appearance of that mountain road the day following this night's foray stuart who was ingloriously defeated at monterey retired toward emmitsburg with about fifty prisoners that he had captured during and after the fight he then moved southward until he struck an unfrequented road which leads over the mountains via wolf's tavern by this turn he avoided immediate contact with our cavalry but about five o'clock p m as he was about to debouch into the valley kilpatrick who was watching for him as a cat does a mouse attacked him with artillery and fought him till dark this fight occurred near smithburg whence the prisoners in kilpatrick's hands were sent to south mountain guarded by the harris light darkness having put an end to the contest kilpatrick marched through cave town to boonesboro where he bivouacked for the night stuart it was ascertained marched till about midnight to the small town of leidersburg where he rested his worn and wearied command his condition was really pitiable a large number of his men were mounted on shoeless horses whose leanness showed that they had made a very long march through and from virginia or as was the case with a large proportion of them they had fat horses which were stolen from the fields and stalls of the invaded states but being entirely unused to such hard and cruel treatment as they were now receiving were well-nigh unserviceable lameness and demoralization were prominent characteristics among animals and men july sixth this morning at an early hour kilpatrick's crowd of prisoners were turned over into the hands of general french and then his command marched to hagerstown taking possession of the place in advance of stuart whose approach about eleven o'clock was met with determined resistance and at first with great success a heavy battle was fought in which kilpatrick's men showed their usual prowess and strength had not rebel infantry come to the aid of his cavalry stuart would have suffered a stunning blow for several hours the contest was wholly between cavalry and light artillery charges of great daring and skill were made one reporter says quote, elder gave them grape and canister and the fifth new york sabres while the first vermont used their carbines unquote in one of those charges made in the face of a very superior force captain james a penfield of the fifth new york at the head of his company had his horse killed under him and while struggling to extricate himself from the animal which lay upon him in part he was struck a fearful blow of a sabre on the head which came near severing it in twain thus wounded with blood streaming down upon his long beard and clothes he was made a prisoner in a similar charge the gallant captain ulrich dahlgren lost a leg though not his valuable life 
it appeared as though the rebels were afforded an opportunity to avenge themselves in part for the shameful losses which they had sustained in this very place by the strategic operations of a union scout by the name of c a phelps during the incipient step of the invasion we will let the scout relate his own story which is corroborated by a single officer who from out of the lofty peaks of the mountains witnessed the exciting denouement the scout proceeds to say quote, i was very anxious to learn all about general stuart's force and contemplated movements and resolved to see the general himself or some of his staff officers soon after he entered hagerstown accordingly i procured of a union man a suit of raglings knocked off one boot-heel to make one leg appear shorter than the other and put a gimblet a toe-string and an old broken jack-knife in my pockets my jewelry corresponded with my clothes i adopted the name of george fry a harvest hand of dr farney from wolftown on the north side of the mountain and i was a cripple with rheumatism having completed arrangements with dr farney mr landers and other union men that they might be of service to me in case the rebels should be suspicious of my character i hobbled away on my perilous journey and entered the city by leaping the high stone wall which guards it on the north side near the depot this occurred just as the town clock struck one it was a clear starlight night and the glistening sabres of the sentries could be seen as they walked their lonely beat scarcely had i gained the sidewalk leading to the centre of the town when the sentry nearest me cried halt who goes there a friend i replied a friend to north or south to the south of course and all right advance then was the response on reaching him he asked me what could be my business at this hour of the night i told him i had come in to see our brave boys who could whip the yankees so handsomely as they had done especially at bull run and chancellorsville we fell at once into the discussion of the war questions of the day in the midst of our colloquy up came the officer of the guard on his grand round who after probing me thoroughly as he thought with many questions finally said had you not better go with me to see general stuart i should really like to get a sight of the general i quickly replied for i never seen a real general in all my life i was soon in the presence of the general who received me very cordially i found him to be a man a little above the medium height and fine-looking his features are very distinct in outline his nose long and sharp his eyes keen and restless his complexion is florid and his manners affable i told him who i was and where i lived when at home wolftown exclaimed the general have not the yankees a large wagon train there i told him they had and then turning to one of his staff officers he said i must have it it would be a fine prize i noted his words and determined if i possessed any yankee wit to make use of it on this occasion general said i y'all don't think a capturin them there yankee wagons do you why not i have here five thousand cavalry and sixteen pieces of artillery and i understand the train is lightly guarded i saw that he had been properly informed and i told him they came there last evening with twelve big brass cannon and three regiments of foot soldiers and if he were to try to go through the gap of the mountain they would shoot all the cannon off right in the gap and kill all his horses and men the general smiled at my naive answer and said i had a strange idea of war if i thought so many men would be killed at once and added that i would not be a very brave soldier 
I replied that many times I had felt like going into the Confederate Army, but my rheumatism kept me out. After a while, the general concluded not to try the train, and I was heartily glad, for he would have taken at least two hundred wagons easily, as they were guarded by not more than three hundred men. He then gave orders to have the main body of his cavalry move toward Green Castle, and I distinctly heard him give orders to the major to remain in town with fifty men as rearguard, and to send on the army mail, which was expected there about six the next evening. I made up my mind that it would be a small mail he would get, as I proposed to myself to be postmaster for once. After seeing the general and his cavalry move out of town, I went directly for my horse, which I had concealed in a safe place some distance from the city. Meanwhile, surveying the ground to see which way I could best come in to capture the mail, and determined to charge the place on the pike from Boonesboro, and made my arrangements to that effect. I got a Union man by the name of Thornburg to go into the town and notify the Union people that, when the town clock struck 6 p.m., I would charge in and capture the rebel mail, at the risk of losing my own life and every man with me. I had now but eight men, two having been sent to General Stahl with dispatches. I then returned to Boonesboro and found my men waiting for me. I told them my intentions, and offered to send back to his regiment any man who feared to go with me, but every one bravely said he would not leave me, nor surrender without my order. I then ordered them to bring out their horses, and we were soon on the road. It was a moment of thrilling interest to us all as we approached Hagerstown, and lingered to hear the signal strokes on that monitor in the old church tower. At the appointed time we had already entered into the edge of the town. With a wild shout we dashed into the streets, and the Major and his fifty braves fled without firing a shot. We captured sixteen prisoners, twenty-six horses, several small arms, and a heavy army mail, which contained three important dispatches from Jefferson Davis, and two from the rebel Secretary of War to General Lee. All this substantial booty we safely carried within our own lines, without the loss of a man or a horse. Many thanks are due to Dr. C. R. Doran, Mr. Robert Thornburg, for their kind and timely assistance, and also to Mrs. Susie Carson and Addie Brenner, who did so much for the comfort of our brave men. I still have in my possession some choice flowers preserved from a bouquet presented to me by Miss Carson the evening we captured the rebel mail, and though the flowers have faded, the good deeds done by the giver will ever grow bright through coming time. All honor to the brave Union ladies. In these same streets, where Captain Briggs with his telescope witnessed the successful charge of the scouting party, raged the battle hotly on the 6th of July. But as the rebel infantry was advancing with heavy artillery to the aid of Stuart's cavalry, Kilpatrick was sorely pressed and at length compelled to retire. His ears were now saluted with the sound of artillery in the direction of Williamsport, and a messenger arrived with the intelligence that General John Buford, who had advanced through the South Mountain Pass, was now attempting to destroy Lee's immense supply train, which was packed near Williamsport and not very heavily guarded. Kilpatrick desired no better work than to assist his brave comrade, and he at once hastened down the main street and soon joined Buford in the work of destruction. These combined commands were making fearful havoc in the rebel commissary and quartermaster stores, 
many wagons were burned and the whole train would have shared the same fate had not the united infantry and cavalry of the enemy come down upon us in overwhelming force but we were not to be driven away very suddenly nor cheaply long and desperately we contended with the accumulating forces until darkness came on when we found ourselves completely enveloped by the foe nothing but splendid generalship and true bravery on the part of our officers and men saved us from capture and destruction some of our number were made prisoners but our losses were very small considering the amount of depredations we had committed and the great danger to which we were exposed as it was the commands were successfully withdrawn from their hazardous position and through the darkness of the night we, we crossed antietam creek and bivouacked in safety on the opposite bank several prisoners were captured from the rebels during the fights of the day they were mostly from alabama and louisiana regiments and they state that their army is all together and well on its way to the river they speak doubtfully of lee's recrossing the potomac end of chapter thirteen part one